everyone. It is Dave and Jeff. It is August 14th, 2023. Uh, Dave, going to be a great night tonight. Our friend John Conniff is here. One of my favorite shows, uh, I think, for Padre fans. We always love, we get the chance to text with John back and forth, but to have him in and just talk Padre baseball. Plus, Dave, check it out. Got a beautiful Lake Elsinore Storm yep. shirt. John, thank you so much. And I cannot wait to read this. John is a legend for me. When we get to Surf City, the Jan and Dean story, Sweet. which is, John, there's a history with those guys and this show. So thank you. Cool. Uh, we'll get to John in just a second. But Dave, want to mention our friend Dan Williams. Uh, right now, you can give him a call at 858-688-6813. Dan can help you with your finances. We mention that all the time. And on our website right now, there's 10 short but helpful videos that help you better understand money and master both your cash and your debts. It's the Calm Series. Again, check them out at DaveAndJeffShow.com and then give Dan an email uh, or fire Dan an email, Daniel at San Diego Lending.us. Don't forget right now, you want to be pre-qualified if you're in the home buying season like Dan is always preparing you for. Make sure you're pre-qualified, not just approved. Dan is your guy, 858-688-6813, 858-688-6813. And Dan and Brian Curry, they're working together. Brian's the guy to get the most for your home. Also find you the perfect home in the right county because he knows san diego county better than anyone else again if you're in the market and thinking about moving make sure you call brian curry at 619-251-1588 619-251-1588 i will update this list but for now a four bedroom four bath house in el cajon 3800 square feet gorgeous also a beautiful house in la jolla 3400 square feet it's perfect for the mad friars clubhouse you have to see it to believe it. John, four bedrooms, four baths. That's you, that's Wilkins, Charity, and, and David J. We <laughs> put Jay in the backyard. <laughs> you put yeah. him right in the backyard. Uh, plus homes in Santee, Carlsbad, Escondido, Encinitas, and the La Jolla of East County. That, of course, would be Poway. You can find those at Brian Curry Real Estate. Not according to Brian Curry, it's not in East County. Well, he lives there. <laughs> of yeah. course. Uh, 619 251 1588. 619 251 one five eight eight john it's great to see you and what a crazy year for you mm-hmm. guy who loves this team who has been around this team covers this team where does this year for just the weirdness rank for you on your list of crazy things we've seen as padre fans what's well, it's kind of a two-part question hope i'm leaning in right you are you're, you're doing good in right. the mic yeah, Ernie, screw you, man. I got this yeah. right. Yeah. Ernie was the first guy to let me on the air. So I was right? like, Ernie. Uh, yeah, I think Ernie Ernie used to work in Escondido at a, at a restaurant I used to manage and bar. And I'm pretty sure Ernie used to come in with his radio guys late at night and kind of get drunk. And <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Ernie. Ernie is probably the guy drinking the grasshoppers, you know, yeah. and a, with a lot yes. of straws and all that. But uh, as far as the question you just asked, I mean, there's two levels. In terms of the minor leagues, it's been an interesting year for that. But in terms of the Padres who, you know, when we first moved here from Santa Maria, like in 1977, and I've been a fan for this this long of the team, it's just more, it's not really an, an anger. I think it's just more of a kind of sad because, you know, I don't, I can't recall there ever being this much hype around a team. Right. Never this much where you thought this is really going to be good. And you got to look at it this way. And uh, God, it kills me to say this in front of Dave. I mean, you're looking at a, at a team who in 54 years has won one World Series game. 
Yeah. Okay? yeah. We treat the 98 team as great as those guys were, like they're the 27 Yankees. Yeah. They got yeah. swept. All right. So, I mean, I thought that's why it was kind of for the big prospect trade with James Wood and all that. I mean, I like prospects, obviously. We do this. But if it was a chance to win, to put a three-year window, then I thought they had to do it. And, uh, you know, we can get into, I mean, I'm sure we will get into about about A.J. Preller, about if he should stay or should go and kind of the different things he's done. But, yeah, that's that's more than, I don't know, you, you're, you've you been a Padre fan for a long time too. I, to me, it's just, it's just really disappointing. It, it probably the comparison that I would bring is 98 and the difference between the two, obviously payroll, but 98, they went out and they made the deal for Kevin Brown. Mm-hmm. And I remember, yeah. Dave, you remember people were upset because Derek Lee was supposed to be the future and they, they felt like they overpaid, but we all know, and you just mentioned it, the 98 team delivered. They Good. came in. Man, they were electrifying on the field. You had 50,000 in the ballpark, and they they were rock stars in this town. Those Kevin, guys were Kevin rock Brown stars. Was, Kevin Brown was something else. That was one of my favorite all-time quotes by Kevin Towers where they asked if he liked him yes. on artificial turf. Remember that? He goes, I like him on artificial turf. I like him on grass. I like him on cement. I like him on the parking lot before yeah. the game. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> how about this one, though, John? And then, Dave, leading in uh, to game one, against the Astros. And obviously the hype was because the Astros had gotten Randy Johnson mm-hmm. and they were talking about how, you know, the big unit and how exciting and KT for those of us lucky enough to know him, he wasn't Gary Cooper. He wasn't a guy that would give you a two word answer. He would talk and talk and talk, but going into that game, it's all the hype about Randy Johnson and KT just said, I'll take my chances with my guy. Yeah. And that's the night he had what? 17 strikeouts. Oh, I go back. I can remember the 84 team. That was one of the bigger thrills. And uh, when I was with Matt Friars, when Terry Kennedy was a double-A manager, again, talked to Terry Kennedy, who I grew up watching, and he was a lot of fun. And, you know, I can remember I went to Arizona State. That was my freshman year. And everyone out there supposedly was a Chicago Cubs fan. And this is really going to date me. This is before the Internet, kids. So... uh <laughs> You know, when they were up 2 nothing, all these assholes from Chicago posted the uh, clippings on yeah. the door when I came out. Oh, boy. And, man, did they eat a lot of it after <laughs> yeah. the end of the game. Oh, they, I mean, that was the whole reason they moved it to best of four out of seven. Was yeah. It, was they were all pissed off at the Padres winning. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was our one victory where Kurt Bavacqua hit the big home run That's right. against the Tigers. Yeah. That's right. All right. So I want to touch on this season okay. right here before we get into any minor league stuff. Sure. And this isn't me gloating and me saying this is my time this i would is. you should like so, <laughs> i'll be honest with you my son's a huge padre fan yeah. you know jeff and i worked for the pods basically doing pre and post game shows during the world series in 98 and we had a great relationships with a lot of guys mm-hmm. in in the basically all the way from 98 to even now i mean we're, we're i consider us friends with eric grubner yeah. who's been great to us and we don't know preller like a lot of people do but that's fine i don't think a lot of people really do know preller no my, my point is this. The guy sits across from me. He's you know, as close of a friend, uh, you know, as we say, we're family. For 25 years we've been doing this show. He lives and dies with this team. I ask him stories all the time before I even started following them. And I started following when Garvey got here because I was a Garvey fan. Yeah, but he was too. a fan even before that when he had Six Liscano and all these guys that nobody even knew Dougie Goosh, across the, across the, the country. Bill Allman, Mike Champion, all <laughs> yeah. those guys. And right? I, I asked Jeff in January. I go, if they do not win the World Series, is this a disappointment? This has been worse than a disappointment. And, yes. and in my opinion... This is the worst season in the history of Major League Baseball. Not just for the Padres, but everybody was saying, all the the experts, all the MLB guys, Padres are my team. Padres are my team. How can they not be my team? For a guy like you, 
who follows baseball, who travels the country looking at baseball, and you understand teams. A little bit. You knew there were holes before spring training even started, that this roster wasn't balanced. You knew there wasn't depth. I used to say to Jeff all the time that, hey, go ahead and get Waka, but go get Evaldi too. You're going to have to overspend now because you have nothing to trade in the minor league system to help you out for that stretch run if guys start getting hurt. And the team wasn't prepared. Preller, I think, did a terrible job in, in setting them up for the missing pieces when they were going to need it. But the egos seem to get involved. And this is, I'll let, let you finish okay, one yeah. I'm just going to blow no, this no, off. No, I think you I think well. Manny's a major problem. And nobody wants to call out Manny. Manny had a great year last year when everybody looked up to Manny. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, the mirror now has Xander in it. And then, you know, they got Soto last year. They didn't have to tease. Manny finally seemed like the captain last year. Where's Manny's leadership now? When's the last time Manny got a hit that really mattered? Not the home run when they're down 5-2, a solo shot. Now, as Jeff always says, you're great in the ninth inning on a Tuesday when you're behind and you have no chance of fucking winning. Right. But everyone gives Manny a pass. Everybody gives Preller a pass. And now this team and this franchise seems like they're locked into maybe 10 years of, of shit. You know, I, I really tried hard when you guys called me up and had me uh, come down here to really think about what I think has been wrong with this team. And the thing is, when you look at the national guys, they all sit there and they don't watch every Padre game like all of us do and they get into run differential. And all of us who watch mm. the game go, yeah, we see that. We see them win 10-2, then yeah. they lose the next yeah. two games by one run. And I guess what I've come down to think, and you know, this is just my opinion, and I could certainly be wrong, is that the biggest thing people always talk about A.J. Preller is he's a scout. And the guys at the affiliates I talk to off the record, they all say, well, you got a scout running a major league team. And you think about, okay, well, what does that mean? And you, you think if, if I do, if when you run a major league draft, if the and you guys have been around long enough to know this too if your first pick is a left-handed hitting catcher and the next best player coming up the second round as left-handed hitting catcher guess what you take that in the third round you'd take that so if i was working for jeff and let's thank god this is just a hypothetical <laughs> all right and he comes up to me and goes you in the first five picks you took four left-handed hitting catchers i'd say well look i'm not going to play them all at the same time right. we're going to pick the best one then trade one and so you do the same thing in international when you sign international guys, you might take five or six short stuffs. The difference is that's all about talent accumulation. You don't build a major league team exactly. like that. And so you come down to, okay, they were going after Aaron Judge. You know, that was a reasonable pick. They don't get him. And then A.J., in my opinion, again, acts like he's a five-year-old in a store who has 20 bucks and they don't have the first two toys. He's going to go grab the next one. And I just got to pay off a wonderful bet to miserable Padre fan and uh, Danny Ortiz because I said, guys, you should listen to me. I know this stuff because there's no way that the Padres are stupid enough to pay $300 million for a shortstop when they have the best defense, one of the best defensive shortstops in Major League Baseball in Kim. Yep. They got another guy who they paid over $350 million to be a shortstop who's not going to be happy not playing shortstop in Tatis. And you're going to add this one? That's going to totally screw you for anything else. And Eric said, watch. We'll bet deal. And, you know, and now the you had Indian food, and I think there's going to be a shortage of lamb and chicken, <laughs> which those two fat bastards eat. But, uh, you know, that's how I look at it is there's a difference in building a major league team compared to being a scavenger. And, uh, and the last you're thing, right. and I'll be quiet, is you're that right. is I think, you know, all of us, at least I'm pretty sure the three of us, we all have jobs that we like and there's certain things we don't want to do. Like when I talk to Dave or listen to this podcast, one of the things Dave likes best is coaching baseball, which is yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Really enjoy it. Probably if your high school said, hey, you know, 
We'd like you to be the athletic director. You're not going to coach baseball anymore. You're just going to run that. You wouldn't be interested. And no. probably AJ's best job would be being what Chris Kemp does. He'd be the director of amateur scouting yep. for international and draft. He, I don't, I don't think he's shown yet, and he's had a long enough time that he can really build a major league roster, or kind of understands what the job of a president of a team is. Or isn't. I don't have a great answer. On I that, agree with that's that. Hundred percent. Yeah. It's funny, Dave mentioned Manny. Now, I, mm-hmm. I'm convinced Dave hates Manny. He's he's never been a Manny fan. He's right on that. Yeah. Hey, Manny doesn't play the game I wish. I wish everyone played as hard as Hasek Kim every day. So He's a blast to watch, yeah. So, it's fine. There's plenty of Dodger players that suck, so I have no problem <laughs> hating them either. But Manny, Manny did something, and I kind of go back and forth with him because there's times when I see his press things, and, and to Dave's point, as far as being a captain, he doesn't seem like much of a captain. But then the other thing that I remind myself is every night you see Manny, I never see Xander Bogarts. I rarely see Tatis. Every now and then I see Soto. Maybe the guys like the Cronenworth, right? Snell yeah. you see. But for the one guy, he's there every day. Whether, whether I agree with what he says or not, whether I like the tone or not, I do appreciate the fact as somebody who's been in those rooms that he will talk. Some of his answers are a little snarky. Yeah. But when the team shit, it, you get it. But tonight he did something, John, and I don't know if you saw it, Dave. I don't know if you saw it. He was asked about Bob Melvin. He was asked about Bob Melvin and if Bob Melvin will be back. Yeah. And to me, for him, for a guy that's been here and has played for Jace Tingler and played for Andy Green and had success with Bob Melvin, I was insanely disappointed in his answer because he just shrugged it off. And at some point... He didn't have the manager's back? Nope. Wow. And 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 look, he didn't... I mean, he said, we have to be here and we have to play every day. But that's a really easy softball where you go... Yeah. There's every guy in this room that can take responsibility... And it shouldn't be on Bob, but he didn't do that. And when you look at it as a veteran guy who's underperforming this year, uh, that to me was a huge disappointment. I don't know what, do you, John, you travel, and, and I understand Manny didn't come up through the Fort Wayne. He didn't yeah. play in El Paso. I'll just use in general terms. You guys have been around this team for a long time. From what you hear about the dynamic of I hate to use chemistry, mm-hmm. but when you hear about this modern club versus clubs you covered five years ago, seven years ago, a year ago, what are you hearing around uh, around the old water cooler? You know, the, the, the biggest difference I saw, and I think when Mark and I were out in, in San Antonio, Mark Wilkins, and, yeah. you know, just on the minor league level, a lot of these clubs, you didn't have this feeling like if they're down 3 nothing in the fifth inning, the game's done. And a lot of the guys, they just all play. They string together at bats. They play like this. I don't know enough about what's on the big club. I do know one thing, which I think is interesting. I think Dave and I chat about this a little bit is, you know, AJ's going to catch a lot of the grief, and that's what you do as a president or GM. But from everything I've heard and understood, that deal with Manny was by Seidler. Yeah. And so – you know, I think Preller, it seems like we talked about this. We put together the numbers. Like, he, now he screwed up in signing Bogarts without knowing that the owner really wanted to take Manny. But all this talk about, oh, we're going to make a run to Otani or Soto, no, yeah. that, that's gone. That's dead. That, that's what I, I think Manny, 
from 26 to 31 at $30 million a year is a good deal. Many from 31 to 36 is pretty good. Many at $35 million from 36 right. yeah. to 41 is not. No. And People got mad at us because we said last year, let him opt out. Let him opt out. No offense. Hey, Manny, thank you for what you've That's done. That's what I would say. But exactly, John, for what you just said. Well, the thing is, think about this. If Manny, had, if Manny goes, that's $30 million. If If Snell goes, that's sixteen. And then Pomerantz goes, you know, make sure I don't screw up the math. That's $54 million. That's enough money to go after Hater. Otani. Yeah, yeah Hater's probably going to go because that's a fool's errand to pay a, a closer $100 million for five years Great. right now. But, you know... I, I feel bad when people are kind of going, well, you know, maybe they can go to Tani. I, I don't see If you were a Tani, would you come here? You're watching this train wreck? I wouldn't. I think, I, unfortunately, one, though, un, unfortunately, I yeah, but unfortunately, and this kills me, Jeff, is I think Otani goes to the Dodgers. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I, I, he doesn't have to move. He goes to a place that they've won a lot. You know, I'm sure Friedman can accommodate him for six. All right, I'm going to fix some of the pro, uh, Padres' problems uh -oh. right here. You guys All tell right. me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Otani leaves for the Dodgers. Why wouldn't you grab J.D. Martinez? This guy's having a fantastic year. He's back on track. J.D.'s a D.H. Dodgers aren't going to keep, obviously, him. Guy's an all-star. Why wouldn't you grab someone to fix your D.H. problems like him? Better than, than Justin Turner. Yeah, I don't know if they can afford it. And one of the things, I, to jump off a little bit off you, I didn't mean to do this, but one of the biggest problems they had at the trade deadline that a lot of people haven't been talking about is the Padres went over that cap. Yeah. And so the Padres are going to lose a draft. They're going to drop down 10 in draft picks. And then on top of that is when Snelling and, and Hader walk, which they will, instead of getting a comp pick in the second round, they're going to get the fourth. So, I mean, I know they think they're really great at scouting, but that's something that a yeah. lot of people have not really talked a lot about. As far as J.D. Martinez, I mean, I don't know. You have to see how the whole roster is set up. I mean, Proler one of the, the rumors that came out about him was how much he, and this is something we always fight with the affiliates on. They all think Preller's like some giant, like stats guru and numbers guy. And we got to tell him, no, he's really a scout. All these guys that he has around him with yeah. all these good schools, all these scout affectations and all this, how they look at, and you kind of want to look at like AJ went to Cornell. I mean, yeah. you know, you know, just, just chill out. I mean, everybody believes you're, you're a scout and all this, but yeah, the, the carpenter hurt, and so I don't know how much money they really have to spend. They, they're, Hosmer, they have, they're, they're still paying too. <laughs> yeah, Hosmer got paid. Yeah, Hosmer's getting paid. Uh, I think thirteen, he, thirteen million a year for two more. <laughs> uh, no, one more after this. Yeah, I think one more after this year. Uh, wasn't it this year that he dropped? I think he. I thought it was thirty nine. I got to look. Yeah, oh, yeah. thirty. Yeah, yeah thirty nine for three, three years. Yeah. Three years. Yeah, three years. Yeah. So I think this was the first of the thirteen, and then he's got two more I mean, to they go. Can, they can fire me from my job at thirteen million dollars oh, as a bonus thing. By well, my, that's always yeah. what you hear all the time. Well, Preller's not going anywhere. He has a contract in twenty twenty six. You know how much two money they're years. losing on other guys? Yeah, it's nothing compared to what they're paying these other fuckers. No, and like what we talked about, you know, before we came on there, you know, like some of the deals some of the draft picks he made and uh, eating salary. You can go back to Chase Headley with that deal. You can go back to Philip Hughes. Yep. And, you know, it's been a lot of money that they've kind of gone through. John, when you look right now at the farm system, and boy, mm -hmm. for a couple of years, right, we were we were the toast of the coast. Right. But you got to move those guys. And, and we said it, Dave, I said it here. When the deal was made, you and I had chatted in the day, right. the Soto deal. You and I both were talking about James Wood. And saying that one hurt. But, I mean, it look did. at C.J. Abrams. Impact guy, right? Doing well, all the Abrams, yeah. Abrams is an impact guy. and But, we again, so we chat about, too, is a lot of that has to do with, 
I think they screwed up Abrams' development, and that's my opinion. I think they screwed up Weathers' development. Um, I think he had to trade some of those guys. But I heard you on the last podcast. I disagreed a little bit on having to move Merrill because as much as I like Hassan Kim, and I agree with Dave, he is the most fun to watch, I don't know how you pay Hassan Kim. Yeah, are you going to give him $100 right. million? Dollars? I mean, what, you're going to give him an You have control of Jackson yeah. Merrill for years. Yeah. So where, where did, and John, that leads into perfect. Okay. We'll get to solid soon in a second. I'm jumping all around. No, you're all great. Okay. It's perfect. Don't worry about it. Merrill, for mm. those of us that read Mad Friars, mm. Baseball America, whatever, you guys have seen him. Yeah. Where does he rank amongst guys that have come up from this farm system? We talked about real estate with, with Brian Curry. What are the comps for Jackson Merrill? Because, yes, it's very easy for me to sit here and say, well, when you have Bogarts and you have Kim and you have Tatis, that might be your one impact guy. But what exactly would you be giving up comp-wise? What are you giving up? Who does who's he remind you of? It's a hard comp because, one, he's, he's kind of he's grown. He's a really big kid. He's about mm-hmm. six, three and a half. He's a left-hand batter. Uh, you know, he's... The best thing, the best story I can tell about Jack Samaro was last year, he uh, he hurt his wrist. A guy slid into his wrist on his glove hand, and he had to go down to the AZL, and he couldn't really bat or anything else. This guy is such a, a hard worker. He said, well, you know what I need to do? I need to get better at my lateral movement. Good. He sat there for about six weeks. He worked his ass off. Good. And then all the stuff about him not being able to play shortstop's gone. He got his feet under him. And the thing that's kind of fun about him is we know his agent role. So I got to interview him right when he got drafted. And He's a very nice kid, uh, very nice family, but he's got a bit of an edge to him because he thinks that people don't respect him enough. I said, no, there's been some talk that you can't really hit the inside pitch. He goes, well, tell him to throw it to me inside and see what happens, <laughs> you know? And, you know, the thing they did, Padres did really well was there's big talk about moving him to San Antonio to start the year after only 45 games in a ball. And thank God some of the adults in the room went out and they started him in Fort Wayne. He got hurt there a little bit. He got a real bad case of the flu. But anyhow, he was able to really work on driving the ball. And, you, you know, you see that with a lot of guys that are left-right. They can't pull it yeah. because they're top hand. But he got better. He's pounding it. And now he's doing pretty well. They actually had him play a little bit of first base. He's played some second. And I was joking on Darren's show today that uh, some of my, my sources have told me that he's uh, been taking some balls in the outfield, too. I was just going to ask. So he's, he's someone to watch. I, I can't. Really give you a good. The one thing, and I don't want to do this as a comp, is it reminds me a little bit like when you'd see Tatis in the minor leagues, just because he's so much physically bigger. Than but all is he one of those guys that you look at mm-hmm. and you'll understand when I say this? Yeah. Is he special? Is he different? Right? There's we've had guys that have come up over the years. Right. Different guys have come up and they're impact guys or they're or they're starters, and that's fine. Right. But is there something that you see? Is there something that you hear in the way that you hear about Solace? Right. Because Solace, you hear, I mean, you get playing at 16. It's crazy. Solace, you hear, well, is special. Well, three games after he gets caught up, we get these assholes that are calling him. But when's his ETA? I don't know. I mean, what are you doing? It's all a fame flack, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, but Solace, yes. when you go and watch him, mm-hmm. I went up and saw him at Ellison. Man, yes. there's just, there's a, yeah. I get it. There's a, there's a, there's an energy with certain guys that just right. walk it, and you go, "That's going to be a fun guy to watch." Does it? It's the difference of what we saw there. Like when Paddock came there, and it's kind yeah. of funny to hear Paddock, but Paddock in the minors, you went and watched, and you're like, 
this guy's a little different, right? Like, oh, he was unreal. Yeah, yeah, he'll make the bigs. You yeah. saw Quantrill there. You saw Gore there, right? Different right. guys. And then you see a handful of guys. Um, I'm thinking of the kid who's hitting home runs, Jack Sawinski. Sawinski, yeah. But, but Jack Sawinski nearly got released, too. Right. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Jack was fine. But he didn't strike you as a guy that was going to hit 20 home runs and, and do what he's doing in Pittsburgh. So good for him. But when, when people watch Merrill, what do they talk about? Do they talk about him in a different way than they talk about other guys in the system? Well, one, I think that's a really good question. And, and two, I think if I could answer that one with the, the precision that you're asking, I'd be making a lot more money <laughs> than I am. Yeah. But I think the best thing I can do on Merrill, I think is interesting, is Merrill was about five foot five or five foot six as a sophomore okay. in, in high school, and he grew. And so he still has kind of this little man's mentality. And the first thing that you kind of notice about him is he's always the guy at the top step of the dugout, you know, shaking guys' hands. He's the guy pointing on the field. He's got a lot of energy. And that you see all the positive makeup stuff, and that kind of takes away a little bit till you start going, well, wait a minute, he's, he's six foot three and 205, and he mm. can run and he can pound the ball. So there's been different guys, which I've been really excited about that haven't panned out. You know, Jeff Decker was one I thought was going <laughs> to be really good. You know, Mackenzie Gore, I saw him in Elsinore. I thought he was amazing. You know, to a guy that we both saw. was I. We saw Buddy. I saw Buddy Reed in <laughs> Tri-City suck. I saw him in Fort Wayne. He wasn't good. I saw him in Elsinore. He turned, turned the corner. I saw him in the Futures game. He looked good. I thought he was there, and then he went down. And just the thing is, the biggest thing is that when you go, the reason why there's different levels is baseball is all a game about making adjustments. And so, like, Jeff Decker was a guy who would sit there, and he would just wait for the fastball, wait for his pitch. And if a guy threw a slider out there, he just, well, that's a strike. You, know, you can't do it again. He gets double A. A guy can throw a yeah. slider twice in the yeah. spot. So what are you going to do? Yeah. And uh, that that's why it's really – that's why I think with Mad Friars, we try our best to report on things. And we got a lot of people who who read us, which we're really happy about, that are baseball fans. And they don't really need to be told what to think. Yeah. They need a lot of information. And we try doing this. I'll give you my opinion. But, you know, I don't, I don't act like I'm like some amazing guru looking into someone's soul like that. You know, Merrill doing well in AA is good because pretty much if you go to AA – about 75% of the guys there can play Major League Baseball. Yeah. And the thing is, they're 25% are on their way out. But the thing that's always fun about the minors and draft is, um, you know, every time you think you know something, you know, you, you don't. I mean, a great example, is you stick with Buddy Reed. Buddy Reed went to University of Florida. Yeah. Pete Alonso yeah. went there. Padres drafted Reed before they took Alonso. Oh, we went through that whole draft. Now, now if I'm if I'm there with Diablo and, and yeah. I, I, I we're watching Florida, <laughs> yeah. and he he's I tell him, oh, Buddy Reed, he's six foot four. He could have gone to play D one hockey, yeah, soccer. And Dave's going, I like Alonso. Go, he Dave, he's a fat piece of crap. And Dave's and he's. You know, I don't care if he's hitting more. And Dave goes, well, I've coached baseball for a lot. I think if someone can hit, that's a yeah. good sign in an offensive player. I go, no, no, you're just scouting the stat line. Let me tell you what he's really going to project and do. And I'd have a giant, I'd be buying another meal. <laughs> <laughs> that, that draft, and that's the thing, Dave, I'm sorry, but but that's the thing. When, when we look back at that draft, and Logan White's here. And, yeah, Logan's and, a fun dude. And... 
Yeah, well, that's great. But Preller's <laughs> here too. Yeah. And these fucking guys could you, me, and Dave wouldn't have whiffed as bad as these guys whiffed in that. Oh, entire, I but, don't know. But I Towers mean, whiffed a lot too. Uh, yeah. Oh, Towers I got it. Lot, I mean, if the, well, look at this way. Look how tough it is internationally. Like you know, and and, and I'm going to be careful. I don't get over my skis because Dave works with a, lot, with a lot of kids. Is if if you to, if Dave's working for you and you told Dave, I want you to go look at some 14 and 15 year olds. And decide which one you're going to give a couple million dollars to. Wander said, I got ship it. Most- <laughs> yeah, Wander has that. I'll take this yeah. one. Too soon, Dave. Yeah. Jesus. John's it, here. It's, t- it's tough to, uh, you know, it's tough really to project. I used to see things in Fort Wayne where a guy would sign, he was 170 pounds, he'd show up about 220. And they had to lock the ice cream box because yeah. the guy was just eating his way out. You know, and probably if you look at that 2016 class, as big a thing as they made out of it. I mean, most of those guys didn't turn out. I mean, probably yeah. someone's listening to this podcast and going, if I hear Conniff talk about Adrian Morahone one more time, I'm going <laughs> to throw my good. phone through the wall. This guy's. And here's the thing, which is interesting. When you come on a show like this, on the radio or a podcast, and you're talking to people that are asking about the Padres, I can tell you I saw, saw Adrian Morahone dominate in Tri-Cities. I yep. saw him dominate in like Elsinore, Amarillo, San Antonio, wow. and that. And he's a but lefty, and he throws harder lefty. than most lefties. Yeah, he's a lefty, and the 97's easy. But if someone like Jeff, what he's asking is, okay, so I can pencil him in kind of after Musgrove. He's going to yep. be number three starter and give you 150 innings. Well, well no. And that's where I kind of get, get on a lot of the pundit guys. You have to kind of look at the stat line, because baseball, and the reason we all of us like Machado is baseball's about if you can do it every day and what numbers you put up at the end, yeah. not who can do it yeah. occasionally. True. Okay, so, you know, looking at different organizations, because you talked about some of the guys that you think the Padres actually broke, you know, and, yeah. and I agree with you 100%. I yeah. thought they rushed Abrams. I thought Abrams was in the wrong position for too long. He probably should be a center fielder. I lost a lot of Korean fried chicken on that. I think there was a there was a, a shortage in San Diego yeah. after Ortiz and Eric got through with that. Go ahead. And, and, and and the weather situation, whether you know fifty percent on weathers, whatever, it was bad. And then yeah, going back to what you said at the very beginning about if the catcher's the best guy, you draft him in the first round. If yeah. he's the best guy, you draft him in the second round. Correct. So the organization everyone always looks at it is the Dodgers. Forget the fact I'm a Dodger fan. This isn't the angle I'm no, taking. No, that's, this that's, isn't the angle I'm fair. taking. But yeah. the Dodgers have two guys in the minor leagues that play catcher that people are so high on that they're going, well, that's the that's the ace chip the Dodgers are holding on to in case they ever want to make a major yeah. trade, like a Soto type trade. And, or the trade and, they and, made for 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 sure they got rid of Ruiz didn't hurt at all they have two other guys down there that are even better than Ruiz well that that trade I, I don't mean to catch off that trade really annoyed me when when people were going you know that's the difference between Friedman and and and, and AJ because the Dodgers want to go I, I swear to God a lot of me people love using the phrase all in they want to go all yeah, in that's why they trade okay they traded Ruiz because the Dodgers got a catcher named Will Smith. Who's pretty good. And Ruiz yeah, was not taking his job. Yeah. Ruiz yeah. was in AAA, and Friedman knew yeah. that. He was going to trade him for someone that he really needed, it, and he did. And he did. And they got <laughs> two more guys like that now. For, yes. So forget about the Dodgers. Right. To me, they're, they're right now they're just at a different class. They have so many guys in their minor league system that are ridiculous right now. The organization that I really admire, and to me, I don't understand how the Padres aren't this organization because they, just started, they decided they're going to go with the younger guys after the Padres said – this is our future. It's the Atlanta Braves. Oh, they're really good. And mm-hmm. the organization to me has run better than any organization in baseball. Financially, they got guys into great contracts, long-term contracts. 
I think the highest paid guy on the team is Olsen, the way it's set up. 20 million, yeah. Riley's yeah. contract's ridiculous. Albi's contract's ridiculous. Acuna's contract's ridiculous. They have so much control, and they're the best team in baseball right now, and yet they, they know exactly when to trade guys like they did for the World Series. They got a whole new outfield for a World Series run, and people are going, man, this is a reach. Even bringing in Jock Peterson and Rosario and all guys that you wouldn't want, and yet they were able to put it together. The Braves, to me are doing it better than almost any organization going because the Dodgers are at a different level pay-wise. Well, Baltimore's doing pretty well, too. They're they are, but it's taken yeah, way too long. It's yeah. take, I mean, you're talking to 2016. That's, that's a long time to sit there and go through this bullshit. Yeah. But for the Orioles, and I understand Angela, Angela's family's not well-liked and people no. don't think it, it's a good front office to work for. And it's tough to get free agents to go to Baltimore. It's not a bad front. It's, from what I understand, it's not a bad front office to work for the way Houston was. It's, it's just a bad... It's a bad owner. It's a guy who... Uh, was is, an attorney is, that bought the team that people aren't a fan of. Yeah, Peter, even right. even as a liberal Democrat like myself, I sit there and look at Peter Angelos, who's a big liberal. I go, God, I, I don't know about that. And his son's worse. His son yeah. inherited it. And his son, well, this whole thing with the announcer was ridiculous. But, you know, the, again, it comes down to, it comes down to discipline. I mean, like, put it this way, the Dodgers would not have made the trade for, for Juan for Soto. They would take yeah. a look and say, James Wood could be something for us in the future, and we don't do that. They trade prospects that are blocked and surplus and even another move which we were all against was the Padres have two really good young starting pitchers who probably are on the cusp of the top 100 and Haru Iriarte and uh, Adam Mazur they have great things as starters Fort Wayne they get promoted uh, San Antonio I agreed with that and then they make them into a relievers I mean, especially Major hasn't pitched a lot. I mean, he needs those innings. He yeah. needs to perfect the secondary pitches. And the reason was, now their reason was, we want to kind of watch your innings and maybe we can bring him up to be a reliever and break him in that time. To me, that just said a lot of desperation. You know, you don't mess with the, the guy's development plan on the needs of the big league team. And, and again, you know, I... I could certainly be wrong in this, but I th they moved him back. So how are the Padres starters. not the Braves is what I'm asking you. Yeah, I've heard from one guy I know who's in the Braves organization. Um, a big difference is that he said, that, you know, Alex goes around and talks to a lot mm. of people all the time. But when time comes to make a decision, there's about four dudes in the room. Yeah. If I understand that's not it's, the case in San Diego. Yeah. Jeff, I don't mean to cut you off. It, it, yeah. Remember Kevin Malone when he went yeah, from yeah. the Expos to mm -hmm. the Dodgers and all of a sudden he had a gold card and it, like all of his New brains went out. Town, yeah. 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 And like he just said, I can spend all the money I want now. Is probably that guy that goes, I have an unlimited amount of money and I don't need to basically do what I used to do or, or what I know works. I don't think it's an unlimited amount of money. Like, you know, because we're beating up on AJ a little bit here, which is okay. But, you know, if you look at the trades AJ made to get the pitching staff and then Snell, Darvish, and Musgrove, those were all good trades. A lot of those prospects were guys they kind of sold high on who weren't that good. Remember the big guy for Joe Musgrove was Hudson Head. Yeah. yeah. still in, who's hitting about 230 in his third year of A-ball. And, um, was Bednar in that deal? Bednar was in that deal, but he was like the third dude. Yeah. Yeah. There was another guy who was a pitcher from Vanderbilt, the guy who got hurt. The guys that, when the Cubs were good. The, the, the problems that... You know, as a Padre fan that I see with AJ, have, have to do with, I think the biggest thing that's going to come down in the future when we're looking at this five years from now was when they signed when they signed Xander and they re-upped Manny. I think it was fine to pick one, yeah. but not both. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's, that's where you kind of look at AJ. Like, I think the Tatis deal, I think that's a good contract. 
But, you know, you kind of got to know as a GM what your owner wants to do. I mean, look at Artie Moreno. and yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, he said don't trade. He was on par. I think what the Angels did was, was fine. I think that was a worthwhile gamble. Didn't work out, but I'm not. That, that's pure hindsight. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have done the same thing. We said it here because whoever you get in the Otani deal, that kid immediately is looked at by a big section of the fan base as, oh, well, you're the guy we gave up Otani for, so go be Otani. Like, it's really, really oh, hard. You're not, the thing is, the, the decision to trade Otani, if we would have done, was going to be done before the year, not right now. Yeah. The only, there's only a couple teams, like I thought Tampa might be one who sits there and goes, you know what? We've been to playoffs. So we got one chance to win. Well, let's take yeah. him. We know he's not going to be here for two months. I'm okay with this. We got a deep farm system. We can trade a couple people. Yeah. But other guys like Baltimore, they were thinking Baltimore's no way. not, not going to trade the top three guys for a two month rental. Yeah. Well, seemed, and that was one Rangers thing. would have been a team I would have watched. I mean, they might have, and they made some deals, but, you know, and that was something, even with the Max Scherzer trade, I think people misreported that a little bit was, yeah, the Mets did eat $35 million, but the Mets also got about $25 million back of the luxury tax you yeah. had to pay. So that deal really cost Cohen about $10 million. And if you get a top 60 overall prospect, and that's always where I look at what the top prospects are. How many guys from the top 100? Not like he's a top 15 in the organization. Yeah. That can mean nothing. That, you can go back to the Houston street trade where the Padres <laughs> got four top angel prospects. None of them were any good. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. True. John, how's the rotation in the minors? Because we'll talk about Dylan Lesko, but to me, the guy I wanted to watch – was Jay Groom. Because so did I. That's a great example. There's someone I said would be really good. Because if <laughs> Groom yes. would have turned into anything, yeah. anything, then all of a sudden you get this guy who's thrown in in the Hosmer deal. Yeah. We just talked about the fact you're eating three years and $39 million on Correct. Hosmer. Yeah. Dave and I said it here that night. We were not going to compare it to paying $30 million to the White Sox for Fernando at all. But if you got right. a guy that could have been a fourth or a fifth, it almost would have been kind of funny and kind of a fun story. He started in the spring pretty well, and it just seems like he's never been able to find his way, just like kind of in Boston. His right? command just went went to crack. Ah. And the thing, too, is, you know, you know this, too. If you got a 6-6 six, six pitcher, if there's something off with yep. him just a little bit, it all really goes and flies. Mm. So, you know, it's a shame. He had a really good spring. You know, he's he had a couple good outings recently. He thought he was kind of building. Those last two, he's, had, he's struggled, and... You know, when he has to throw a strike, it's like right down the middle. He doesn't have the same velocity that he used to. He has a better mix of pitches, but this is a guy who's about number four or number five. The the real talent for pitching is the guys that are in A ball and a couple that are in double A. Like I saw Lesko with Kevin Charity there tonight, and he was a lot of fun to watch. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. He was a blast. Would you take would you take in September? Would you take Groom up here just to give him a chance with Niebla and see if Ruben finds anything, or is it just too far away I, yeah, from him? Yeah, I don't know. I'd probably, I'd probably look at the guy who's a knuckleball pitcher, Matt Waldron, I think is oh, a little yeah. more interesting. But he kind of changed his, his thing before he went from throwing like 60% knuckles, knuckle, knuckle balls to about 20%. Really? So, yeah, because he just couldn't control that thing um, enough. One sense. of our writers, I think Ben Davey, had a great line. He said, sometimes that knuckleball just looks incredible. Other times it looks like a wounded butterfly. I remember I asked, uh, asked Charlie Huff a long time ago. Yeah. I said, is it true the older you get, the better the knuckleball gets? Because I'll be honest, the more beers I drink, the better knuckleball gets. <laughs> you know, but it was everyone's trying to throw one. Oh, yeah. I could throw one good one a week. Like, I can't throw a knuckleball yeah. for shit. And, well, Walter, and, Walter was just screwing around spring training, yeah. and the coach looked at him and goes, hey, let's 
let's work on remember this. the pirates gonna cut wakefield mm-hmm. and they and he said hey before i go let me show you my knuckleball and he ended up pitching that year in the playoffs for the pirates yeah made a lot of money yeah and did i think he pitched more games than anyone in red sox history after that yeah uh, so the guy you know less goes interesting the other guy's really interesting on the padres is is snelling who's 19 and in fort wayne because robbie he was, he was gonna robbie snelling yes yeah. he was he was going to go to the University of Arizona and be both uh, football and baseball. Then he kind of devoted more to baseball. And they always pointed him out he was a quarterback. He was going to go there mainly to play outside linebacker. And he thought, wow. well, I'm going to do one or the other. Those These aren't two things to really go. And as someone who has a teenager, you can't believe how mature this kid is, too. Really wow. mature, really a leader on there. And he just, and if you watch him pitch, it's a nice kid off the mound, but the manager on the storm Pete Zamora made a comment that a lot of kids, I guess at that age, someone hits their fastball, they kind of shy away from going. Robbie comes back and goes, there's no way this asshole's going <laughs> to. Yeah. So, so who, the guys, fun dude. the guys in the minors for Padre fans, who's the, the next guy we're going to see out of the, the big guys that you mentioned that, you know, you, we, well, we, the two, the two the thing, the way you look at the Padre system is I would say this, it, to be an average major league system, you know, there's 30 teams. If you get a little bit over three or four guys, you're an average system, which they, yeah. the depth isn't quite what it was, but it's better than people think. You know, I would talk Salas. I hope they start Salas this year, next year at Fort Wayne, and then let them go to San Antonio mm-hmm. instead of jumping them. I think that's really yeah. could screw them up. I think Merrill's probably going to start El Paso. He could come up. Lesko and Snelling probably will be at Fort Wayne. They could be coming pretty soon. Mazur, someone to watch. This guy, Jairo Iriarte, is... Someone who has an incredible, like, rising fastball. I think it's indu- induced vertical break. I, it, I think it, it, is so, it is so goddamn confusing it, for no, me, even on this. You watch on, him, people are swinging under the pitch. Yeah. It looks like the p- pitch is coming straight up. But, John, electric. sorry, best case scenario, though, with these guys, mm-hmm. yeah. it feels like a lot of them are probably 25, which, uh, 25, 26. I'm, I'm saying 25 at the earliest. I think Merrill will be a little early, but yes, okay. that's correct. Which is fine, Except for you look at this team, and like we've talked about, Soto is a huge question mark going into the year because what are you going to do? Although there were reports over the weekend that people feel like an extension is coming, which would really, would that shock anybody that he talked about? They've been great to me from day one, and there's a vibe that something could happen. But you have to assume Snell is gone. The you math to, doesn't make sense on a, on a Soto extension. I, I agree. I, I've been wrong that's before. Not, that's not Boris. Scott Boris wants everyone to go free agency. Yes. Yeah. Hater, gone. Uh, whatever happens, Waka, Lugo, those guys have the opportunity to opt out. Martinez has the opportunity to opt out. There could be some openings on this team, and you don't really have anybody right now that's scratching at the door no, the to cost. be class of 24, right? No, you don't. And I, I think the thing that's sad and and not great to say for, for Padres fans like myself is – I thought this was the best year. I thought this was yeah. the best year to win. And I think uh, the way I see it, even if you got rid of Preller, you know, you'd have someone come in here and just have a lot of poison pill, a lot of big contracts to swallow. So I don't know really what they're going to do in the offseason. I mean, you know, I think there's also, I got to look it up. I think there's a punishment because I've been over the cap about how much they could get dinged for signing somebody, mm-hmm. even though they'd be, get, be under it. I have to check that out so I could be wrong on that. But... You know, we start playing with signing different guys, and I mean, I I don't, 
I trust Preller more with trades than I do with the free agent signings. You know, the Carpenter one was inexcusable to myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just simply not listening to the, the, the stat geeks who sit there and go, you know, Carpenter. You, if you did a model of Carpenter's home runs, yeah, From short porch. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and he hit 200 his previous two years. And one of my favorite things announcers do is when they go, that home run would have been out in yes. so many ballparks. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Jesse then, did it tonight. He said did it. the home run in the first. He goes, yeah. that ball would have been out one ballpark yeah. right here yeah. and right yeah. there in that spot. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think there was a whole lot in AAA or AA to begin the year. I think the guys in A-ball progress good well but i don't think there's anyone really right on the edge where i'm going in double a like hey this guy you can pencil in in left field or something like you that. and i wondered on carpenter and i i meant to look this up today and dave maybe it, it's not a factor at all but we're watching the orioles and there was a really cool thing that came out over the weekend they were showing the orioles got together it was kyle gibson and another guy mind blanking on who the player was yeah. but they had had 10 years right in the bigs they did a whole big thing and the whole deal. And I was just trying to think. I mean, Kyle Gibson, to me, feels like he's been around 22 years. Yeah. So for him to just hit 10, does Carpenter already have his 10? Yeah. The, he's got to have yeah. it, right? I mean, the guy's been around for They might be thinking they can tie him in some package, and there might be some different in the using office. on the cap. But, you know, if someone Holy signs shit. him, they're going to sign him just to, to release him. One thing I think... Um, I think Kevin Acey has done a really good job of describing what Carpenter is going through and, and treating him respectfully as he deserves, but at the same time saying, you know, he shouldn't be on the roster. No, he shouldn't. I, I think, what, but I like how Kevin's been going about it, not just being cruel to him, because this in for all these guys is going to come. Here's what I would tell you. Anybody who manages people, and I don't care if it's four people or 30 people, when things are not going well, everybody's pissed. Yeah. Right? Everybody's pissed. So that's why there's nothing funnier to me. What I laugh at is when you hear the team meeting. Oh, because yeah. to me, I can't think of anything more destructive. Because you, we view it that everybody is there and it's a chance to air the room. Here's exactly what happens. Somebody stands up and they're like, hey, I'd like to have the floor. And there's going to be at least five guys that scoot up and go, what the fuck is he going <laughs> to yeah, say? Yeah, they're going to roll their eyes. <laughs> What's this <laughs> asshole going to say? And the guy who stands up and takes the floor, you know, he probably thinks he's he's Crash Davis, and, and they're looking at him like he's Mark Davis. They're like, what's this fucking idiot going to tell me? And now, all of a sudden, you have dissension. And the other thing that happens is when things are going bad, and again, anybody who's managed, whether it's a staff of five or a staff of 35, you got people chirping. You know what changed that shit around? You're going to win fucking games. Yeah. And so what I look at is with Carpenter, I don't, I don't, I couldn't give less of a shit whatever they're trying to do with Matt Carpenter. When this team is tanking, you cannot tell me that a guy like Nick Martinez who throws every fucking day or Machado who's banged up or Soto who's banged up is looking, I don't care how nice you are. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a no. shit. Go either bring up Jay Groom, bring up Jackson Mer whatever Bad, the case. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Give me somebody while we're drowning that at least gives me the the feeling that you're watching what's going on as opposed to doing the right thing for the grizzled veteran. And and probably, listen, man, after you cut Nelly Cruz yep. and, and you've got a lot of guys, right, that, that right. were looking up to Nelly Cruz, you should have cut them both the same day. Yeah, I, I, I can't so. imagine it's a good look in that room. Yeah, and I mean that was Preller's decision to to sign him. I, so I don't know how much of that Former plays Ranger. into it. 
Yeah, you know, but what's one the deal thing, with this fucker and the Rangers? Even, even Trent Grisham's from Dallas. Yeah. We're like, what the fuck? But one thing, I, <laughs> one thing I kind of strikes. One thing I noticed when I started doing this is that when you get around pro sports, the thing that's different is a lot of us are ex high school athletes and all this, and we always think about fairness. And pros, the only thing they care about is what you do on the field. Exactly right. That's the whole thing. It's like when that yeah. famous line by Alec, Alan Iverson, everyone laughed at it, but in that essence, you know, I think Wellman made a comment once to me. Philip Wellman, who's a AAA manager, said, like, you got practice in the pros to help make you better. If you yeah. don't want to practice, that's fine. But guess what? I, only, I don't care – because they were their team was having a bad stretch, and one guy goes, "Well, we've had a couple of really good good sessions of early work." And Wellman said, "Well, that's great. No one gets promoted, yeah. and no one gets to stay yeah. based on how well you do early work." Exactly right. And so it's really a tough thing for these guys to do. Exactly right. All right. So let me ask you a question about the minor leagues because. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you, you're paying attention to it. Padre fans want to know what's next. They're paying attention to it. But the minor leagues are so different than the majors. Like, we always a talk about not not guys being selfish. We always say at the major league level. Well, in reality, the minor leagues, so few will actually make it to the majors. Right. That really, it's a team game that you are playing as an individual. Your numbers do count in the minors to get to where you want to be. But once you get to the majors, everything you've been doing while you've been in the minors now changes. Now it is team first. And in the minors, it's it's individual first. It is individual first, but when you talk to those guys, they say when you do yeah, that, yeah, they like. Well, they, they they're really <laughs> they're really very aware of their stats, but they said if you're not trying to play the team way, it screws up your individual stats. Mm. So that's why you have. To I agree do with that. that. That's yeah. what I preach in high school. Yeah, you got to play the game the right way, which is something like that. And a lot of the managers, you know, the thing that's really tough about the minors that people don't realize is. You know, you think the game starts at 7 o'clock. You know, you kind of roll in, maybe about yeah. 5 o'clock. No. When the minors, these guys are showing up at the field, usually at about 11. They get something neat. They've played a game till like 10 or 11. Then they hit the weight room. Then they have you know, individual drills. Then some rover comes over, like for the catcher, and hits him about 50 fungos in the dirt to see how he can catch it. Then they got BP infield in the game. Like a guy who I talked about one time was Terry Candy. Yeah. And the Padres had just drafted Mitch Cannon, and I'm out there in San Antonio, and they're putting this guy through through the paces, you know? He's up there. He's doing an hour and a half of weights. He's doing the cage extra work. They had this catching instructor that nearly killed him. And then he got to catch in San Antonio. And I looked at Kennedy and I said, well, aren't you kind of worried about him? He goes, well, you know, I couldn't do it. And you're in your 40s, so uh, I'd kill you too. <laughs> but uh, he goes, but he got a million and a half in the draft. So fuck him. He can go out there and he can do this. This is what yeah. you have to do. And it's just a really tough grind. And uh, I think that's one thing by doing the minor league stuff is like the Padres on all four levels have about 180 guys there's 26 spots on the big leagues now a while ago someone posted something about the top 75 prospects yeah. in the padres drafts and i'm mad for us we got a bunch of snarky assholes so we made fun <laughs> of them and then uh and myself included and the thing is it's kind of neat to talk about all these guys but really you're talking about four or five guys it's, yeah it's that tough to make it and yeah. you know and you know as well from coaching high school baseball it's like to get drafted, you got to be a really good player. Anyone's yeah. a really good player. I talked yeah. to this one guy, TJ Weir, who was this guy who was a sinker pitcher in double A once, and he had a bad outing after I finished interviewing. I talked to him and I said, You know, I know you want to make it to the major leagues, but you got to think you're in double A. 
how many people do that? You get to be my age. You're going to sit around the water cooler, and there's going to be some ass who's going to go, like, you know, this guy eventually pitched at Palomar for a couple innings. And yeah. what I did is I just took that pitch, and I just went right through the infield, and I got a little single. I said, what you're doing? You know, you were, you were first team at Ball State at both a shortstop and as a pitcher. You were all state as a quarterback yep. in Indiana. You were a third-team point guard. You've had a – that's great. That's better than most of us will ever dream about. And so some guy on Twitter writes, it just suck. It's just, you know, dude, yeah, you can't do that. You got to just – I think that's what we always – we always try to write it when we write our stuff is like, you know, if one of your kids was playing in a Pirates organization and for the first time he's maybe struggling a double uh. – I'm not going to sit there and write, God, I don't know why he doesn't play this. I don't know why he doesn't quit. You know, we'll say he's one for 25 and he's had some trouble hitting the curveball. And that's fine. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, I think you, you, you know, I'll tell one other story. When I was in San Antonio again is I did these interviews with this other guy. We're on the field and they come up to the press box and we got barbecue and we're happy. And this young guy <laughs> walks right in and he starts, he was writing for scout, the Ranger site and about, Every pitch, every other pitch was, God, it's a curveball. How tough is it to throw a damn curveball? Look, it's a fastball. Can't uh -huh. you locate it? Can't you do this? And I'm going to say something, and before, because I don't want to hear this shit for the whole game. <laughs> and then right before I can say it, the guy that was the assistant GM for the missions that's running the board just looks at him and goes, uh, hey, the Padres got open tryouts on Tuesday. You want to hit? You want to pitch? Let me know. Oh, I, I don't have any place. You can stay with me. Got an extra room. Oh, yeah, you got to get back. Okay, and then he just shut up Good. for the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean it's a tough, tough game, and we all need to realize that it is. It's it's great. It's crazy yeah. tough. Yeah. One of my favorite things I've told Jeff this story because you know Brett Boone's become a really good friend of the show. And yeah, and Brett, I, I enjoy your interviews. Brett. Uh, I appreciate it. Good. But Brett will you know coach with me, and he'll sit in the dugout and he'll listen to the parents because all the parents think their kids are going pro. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Brett will literally leave the dugout and walk right across the field to the parents stand on the other side of the fence and go. None of your kids are going to make it. And then the parents yeah. just shut up. I mean, they crushes them. And he goes, everyone in my family's made it. I know what it looks like. There's not one kid out here that's going to make it. Just enjoy the game. Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes and sits down next to me. I go, you just crushed their dreams. Good. Yeah, he goes, ah, oh, fuck it. He goes, they got a little chirpy and I wanted to put an end to it. <laughs> but he was right. <laughs> Nothing he was wrong right. with that. The numbers are that their kids probably aren't going to make it. And one thing that, that I've noticed, you know, just, just in my experience coaching younger mm -hmm. kids. Right. And most of them don't make it is, you know, there are three things that get you to the pros. And two of them you, you can't control. One is you have to be born with great eyesight, you know. And every time a scout comes to me and says, hey, that's a guy we like a lot. We want to send him in for an eye check. And it has to be 2012 or better. to For your brain to register, you're going to hit a fastball over 96 miles an hour. And if you, if you don't have that vision, you aren't a hitter. And then the other one is your fast twitch muscles, which you can't improve. And then the second thing is, after we draft all the guys that have those first two things, can you outwork everyone else? Mm. And if, if you can put those three things together and it happens to be a guy in front of you in the organization is not in your way, maybe you get a chance to maybe. make it in the majors. Maybe. That's why or all the AAA a log, guys. Or you could really, be in a log jam. Yeah, that's why all the AAA guys, you go up there, they get bitter. I yeah. mean, and yeah. you would get bitter, too, if you notice you're making maybe about – 30,000 a year and you pretty sure you could be in the major leagues on another team making 70, 770,000. Yeah. I would not be in a wonderful, happy mood and triple A, especially right. if I was going back there for a second year. But you know, what you're talking about is, is really true is you see that at, from the a ball to double a level, you see a lot of guys that are really smart. They get the absolute most out of their ability 
And then it comes to double A, and you got the guys that work just as hard mm-hmm. but have that athletic ability. Yeah. And that's where a lot of guys just go down. That's a big separator. For, that's what Brett says, leagues. exactly what you just said. The, yeah. The uh, the website's madfriars.com. It's fantastic. John, for me, I'll, I'll wrap it with this. Oh, I do have one other thing. I, I promise this on Darren's show is uh, – and guys always like talking about uh, my wife who makes a lot of yes. smart ass remarks <laughs> is I said this on Darren's show. I couldn't say this is that uh, we were talking about, um, they talked about music who would like to go see. And I said, Oh yeah. I said, well, I, you know, I, I probably wouldn't mind seeing Darius Rucker. And uh, I do enjoy some, some, some country music once, but my wife gives me a lot of crap about that. And he goes, well, what'd you say? I said, well, I can't really say that on the air. So what happened was we were driving. If you happen to listen to Darren's show and you're hearing this, is we were driving one time and she hits my uh, <laughs> playlist and she sees I had like about 100 country music yeah. songs on here. Yeah. She goes, oh, my God. <laughs> you listen to this shit? And I go, yeah. <laughs> and she goes, Jesus, why couldn't you be a normal middle-aged guy and be into like Korean midget porn or something like that? <laughs> That's so why that, we're, that wouldn't work on terrestrial radio. I know like a lot, so I knew that I'd save that. <laughs> that's why we're that's why we're sending her home a shirt because yeah, she's she a legend around that. here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we we've talked about solace, but we really haven't talked about no, we solace. Haven't. And yes. and I, I've got a two part on that. The way they got solace to me, I just find fascinating that he's a kid in Florida and he's living the life in Florida, and then all of a sudden he's going to move to family and. I mean, this is the way the story's been presented. So if there's, we, we need I, I, clarity. Yeah, I'd like to, I, what, we, we had got it all set up that we were going to go up there with 760 and have a John and Jim and Darren show on there. And then they had some problems at their station. They couldn't do it. And then we even got, the Padres had like a media shutdown on Salas. And I, we got them to agree they were going to let us talk to them and Darren then they promoted him to Fort Wayne. The story on Salas, though, from what I understand, I wanted to get more clarity just to get the facts, like what you're saying. Right. How I understand it, he was born in Florida. Okay. You know, his his first language is English. Yeah. His English is better oh. than his Spanish. It's incredible. And, and uh, the family then moved back to Venezuela, I think, and then in the Dominican Republic, where his dad operated um, type of the academies. Big okay. Under. His older brother was a top prospect. He's in... He, I think he's in the Twins organization now. Could be. He's a younger brother who's going to sign with the Marlins as a big deal. And the way that really made it clear to me is some of the Padre guys explained to me, like, you know, this is not a kid that's just been going to Cathedral Catholic and playing a lot of travel ball. Got it. He, he's kind of, like, being look, groomed. Yeah, if you look at, like, the best example is probably the professional soccer academies. He's oh, yeah. been a pro for about since he's about 12. Wow. And so when I saw him in spring training – I'm not sure. The big, this is a slightly longer story, but the big thing that I, I impressed me was the first game I saw with two strikes, he hit this nice little flare out to left field that showed he had, a, um, you know, had an approach. The second game was what really impressed me is he gets up there on like a 2-2 count and his pitcher throws something that was more located in Yuma than it was in the strike <laughs> zone. Yeah. And Salas just sits there, he goes, takes, goes down. So the next bat comes up, 1-2 count, and the guy throws one, Better pitch, close, takes it. Fouls off the next couple one, then hammers one off the right field wall. Third at bat, he comes up, 2-0 count. And you think most kids this age are going to want to come out of their shoes. The guy throws a perfect strike on the corner. He knows he can't do anything with it. Takes the strike. The guy misses on the next two. He trots down to first base. Now, defensively, as good as his, at his, 
his bat is, especially mm-hmm. for his age. When I talked to the manager, you know, um, at Lake Elsinore, what he was really raving about Zamora was that, you know, and you could see it, he has an incredible pair of hands, mm-hmm. especially with a little strike. He gets that good arm. You know, he's very confident. He's about a six, you know, you got teenagers. He, he's running it's meetings. Crazy. He's running meetings before series no. about what they're going to throw and do. And he said, now look, there's some things he has, has to work on, like what we were talking about before the game, but just really advanced. And that's how kind of we see him. But the only thing I'm just worried about is as good as he is, you know, there's things you learn in minor leagues, and especially as a catcher. The reason why the Nats, you know, move you know, Bryce Harper to the outfield, he was drafted as a catcher. Yeah. He, he was a good catcher from everything I understood. He was a good third baseman. I watched yeah, him when third, he was 16. Yeah, good third baseman. But he his bat was really special, and they put him in the outfield. The best part about Salas is his defensive ability. His bat, it'd be nice to have a catcher that could hit. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll see. But he, speaking of catchers, I mean, I was watching Capusano, who I was – as down on as anybody for about last year, and he's really turned it around. But, John, hang on. I I got to follow up on Salas. Sure. Because there's something here that I'm shocked. No, And maybe they haven't. I just haven't seen it. Okay. But I'm looking at this. Listen, I'm not complaining. These are things that used to happen for the Yankees. It would happen for the Red Sox. It would happen for the Dodgers. It didn't happen here. And maybe it happened here way back with Benito and the Alomars and Bayerga, Guillen, et cetera. But to me, I look at this and I go, hang on. You got a guy that, that grew up in Florida, and, and it's smart. If you're a baseball guy and you say, my fastest path is to go to Venezuela and play, and I can be in these academies, like you said. I, I'm, I'm around hockey all the time. Well, I think his father also was involved no, in No, that's business. what I'm saying. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry. I meant that. Yeah. But, I mean, you see it in the NHL all the time. Oh, Con- yeah. Connor Bedard's coming to the NHL. He's going to be 18 years old. It's crazy. Amazing. But to me, I, I guess what I'm missing and maybe hasn't been written is it didn't even seem like there was any kind of bidding war. It didn't seem like it it went for other guys, for free agents. You hear like, oh, the pods are in the- Manny. We use Manny. Mm-hmm. A handful of teams that are in the mix and you get it. It just felt like it was pretty much assumed that Salas was coming here, which is all fine, but it just seems when you're signing a 16-year-old kid, you know what I'm saying? That seems like there's a major difference when I'm signing a free agent like Manny and I'm signing a kid like Salas, and it doesn't, there was nothing that said, hey, right now, at least that I saw, Salas is coming down to the Nationals, to the Cubs, the Padres are in the mix. It was just a shrug, and then he signed here. I'm not, I'm not insinuating well, from, anything underhanded. I'm just saying, how did that happen? Well, one, I think anytime you're talking about the international market with these guys, you should assume that there's something underhanded because no, no one really pays attention but to But I know the rules. what I don't know. I'm just saying it just seemed very weird no, that's that for not, a kid this cool yeah. that he, it just was like, yeah, he's going to sign in San Diego, and then he just signed in San Diego. Well, I, the best way I think to answer that question is when I was out there, one of the guys told me, Salas's brother, who had just turned – who's going to be 16 next year, he goes, yeah, he already has an agreement in place with the Marlins. Now, you're not supposed to have that. Okay. So these guys all have under-the-table deals. And there's even been, there was a lawsuit a while ago against the Padres and some other clubs where someone who was about 15, 14 or 15, claimed there was a deal done, and then this kid doesn't mature or does that, and the team's pulled back, yeah. and how much of a deal it is. The whole thing is really kind of... Um, 
Yeah, it's just, it just, it's weird and how they do things. Well, look and, at, and they don't like to really talk about it. It's not no. something I can go up and go, Liar's hey, poker, man. Excuse me, can you tell me how you signed him illegally for all this? As I mean, much as, like, I'm sure, John, you yeah. know more than Jeff and I on this, but as, as much as we follow baseball and Jeff and I, I mean, we're, we're always watching and trying to pay attention. I'm so confused on money that can be spent. Like, I couldn't figure out that a couple months ago in the last six weeks, especially, the Dodgers kept getting rid of guys for cash. And I was, and I was like, well, "What do you mean? Dodgers don't need cash, you know? The Guggenheim Group owns them, you know." And they were trying to free up money or right. to get the Korean kid they just signed, yeah. mm. and so they they needed the cash. Yeah. And, and I didn't understand how. And I still don't understand how it works, but whatever it was that Andrew Friedman did by just selling players off to other teams, it, it somehow brought in more than a million dollars to the Dodgers. That they're able to go out and get the Korean. Yeah, kit. it was something about they get a certain amount of extra extra funds. I yeah. think to use an in international market. Like I'm each still kind of confused on it. Yeah, I'm going to screw that up if I get into that. But in general, what it is each team has an allocation of how much money they can spend in the free agent in the international free agent market. And like one of the penalties of signing Bogarts was they lost a million dollars. Oh wow! In mm. that, so I think there, there's a shortstop. I'm going to mess mess up his name. That, that they supposedly have. An agreement with it. Tell the kid to get the Padres gear off his Instagram. You can put them all on in a little bit when <laughs> yeah. you're 16, but get that done. But yeah, it's 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 a weird way in which they sign people. One thing that, that one of the catchers at Fort Wayne now is in San Antonio, Brandon Valenzuela, made a really good point about him. He was the one who said, you know, he likes Salas a lot. He said the thing that's really unusual for him, he said, he doesn't really think like a Latin kid. I go, well, what do you mean by that? He said, you know, all of us. We get money. We get this three or four hundred thousand. Someone's giving us this much money. We think we made it. And he goes, "You're so far away." Salas, he goes, he got a lot of money. He he got some no. cash. He does not think he made it in yeah. any way. He doesn't think he made it. All he's thinking about is what he has to do in the future. What he has to do to get to the major leagues. So yeah, I think we're all looking forward to watching him and writing about him. It could be Dave. Maybe uh, like I said, I know what I don't know. I just was curious, and maybe it's like NBA free agency with these guys on a little different level. Yeah, where you have deals in place on December tenth, but the new year doesn't start to the twentieth, and maybe nothing's in writing. But there's some pretty good handshake agreements for when I, I mean, it's just a really it's going on it's around really, the league. Yeah, it goes. Everyone does that, or you can't compete. That's why one of the big things the Orioles had to clean up was Angelo said, "I'm not participating in this." Yeah, now, yeah. and you, you you can't run a major league yeah. franchise without going into Latin America. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, John, last one for me. Give me give me a name that people are not talking about in the organization that you like that you're kind of watching that that could be somebody we see. It doesn't mean they have to be an all-star, but just somebody like in the organization we should all be paying attention to. Well, one, the, the, the organization would know all those guys. They'd know that. No, but I'm be, saying from I, a fan. From, us, from a fan point of view, I think the the first baseman at uh, Fort Wayne's a lot of fun to watch. This kid, Nathan Martorella, he's from Berkeley. He's having uh, one of the best offensive years in the Midwest League. Left-handed, has a really good idea of the strike zone, kind of goes gap to gap. An intense dude to talk to. Very nice, but man, I think he takes getting. I want my eggs. I want them scrambled. I want my. And, he, and he's he's a fun kid to talk about. Also, another guy in Fort Wayne is Jacob Marcy, who's a really gifted center fielder, and he's just learning how to kind of really attack the baseball. Always has had a good idea of the strike zone. Um, you know, this kid I just saw in Fort in Lake Elser, Homer Bush, and uh, the son of uh, of Homer Bush. 
Junior's a big kid. Junior's about wow. 6'3", 210. Really? Junior can run. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, Junior can move. And he he went from first to home in 6.2 when Dude. I was there. So he could really fly. And let's see. Who else would be fun? You know, a great story in San Antonio. I don't know how much of a pro he's going to turn into is Ripken Reyes, who's um, leading the Texas League in, uh, on base percentage, but has been hit like 41, 40 or 41 times. Oh, Just wow. an amazing uh, shots he's taking. And, uh, you know, the new kid that got in the first round, Dylan Head. I've heard a lot of good things about him so far. All right, last thing for uh, for me is looking at this Padre team right now. It's funny, I just made a comment that Manny doesn't come through with big hits. So as, as we're watching the game in the ninth inning, Manny has a chance to hit a home run and tie this thing up. But <laughs> um, but it, my, my question is, the rumor is Bob Melvin's gone after yeah. this year. You kind of have to shake things up. I understand that, that you can't come back with the same thing. A lot easier to get rid of one guy than 26 guys. These guys have long-term contracts. I feel bad. I don't know Bob Melvin for shit. I feel bad for Bob. Here's a guy, a three-time manager of the year. Um, for the Padres to go with another manager, you're hearing it's Ryan Christensen, which bothers me that... Well, Nightingale wrote that. And, and so, yeah, it, yeah it, it, but you're hearing he's liked by the players, okay? And to me, you make a huge mistake when you let the players pick the manager. You're going to bring in a guy that's that basically has... You know, he, you're the reason you have your job because those guys spoke up for you, yet you aren't mature enough to deal with a guy like Bob Melvin. So we're going to bring in a manager that the players can't control. You know, it's weird. What all direction the, would you go is what I'm asking you for a manager. Would you go for a veteran manager or would you go for a first-time manager? Well, this is how bad I've, I've screwed up. It's like, you know, <laughs> when they had Bud Black, I thought, okay, well, they got to get Andy Green, get one of Preller's own guys. Then it was shown that Green and Preller were on different pages. So we'll bring in Jason Tingler because then it's going to just be one continuous thing. And that worked in 2020, but it didn't work when AJ didn't want to travel with the team each time, and then the team went to crap. Then you thought, okay, well, you're going to bring in Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin will kind of run things, keep things in control, and AJ can go scout the under-12 tournament in Managua, you know, so that, <laughs> that, that's fine. And now, so you ask me who they're going to bring in? Yeah, I don't know. Would you go veteran manager or go like a, a, a I, I think first-time you gotta guy? Bring a, I think you got to bring in a veteran manager, but then again, I don't think a veteran. I think, Six, well, four, I think the problem that. that Preller has is uh, a veteran manager is – he, a veteran manager is going to have certain rules and conditions or I'm not going to come here. The one thing I did notice, a couple of games I went to in D.C. and I saw the Padres play in May and had credentials I went down there. And just watching Melvin and I think other guys who were around him, especially like Dennis, you bring him, or A.J. Casavell or A.C. will probably talk. Melvin just looked exhausted. He did. Yeah. He just, and this was in May. I can't even imagine what he looks like now. And, you know, he might be at an age where he just says, you know, screw this. Yeah, I'm going to retire. Yeah. I, got enough, I, I had I, better off in Oakland. I think I think there's as much a chance that Melvin decides to walk away as he gets pushed out. I agree. Yeah. yeah that's me. I don't know. Uh, John, great to see you. Great to see you guys. Keep Thank up you for the, me. Uh, the great work. Mad Friars, absolute must read, especially now with this team because there is, there is, I think, would you say uh, – Lesko and Merrill and Salas and, and a couple Snowy, of the yeah. other guys. There's a handful of guys to be excited about, right? Yeah. You know, I, I think anytime you can sit there and, again, I would look at the top 100. And, I mean, yeah. you can read us, which is great. But there's a couple guys that are kind of on the borderline. I mean, uh, Ariarte, Semi Zavala, who's a center fielder, and like Elsnor and Mazer. I think they could. I wouldn't be surprised if the Padres had five or six guys at the end of the year. And uh, I thought the draft was okay, but then again, 
all drafts always look okay. And at the beginning, that's why they get drafted and get millions of dollars. Yep. The thing I love the most about Matt Fryers is it's written by fans, but not written from a fan's perspective. And that yeah. is a incredibly, oh, incredibly difficult thing to do when you have guys that clearly love this organization but I don't think anybody in that organization, John, could com- complain. I-, I love the different personalities between Charity, between Mark, between Dave J and yourself, especially when you guys do the top prospects. Because it's always funny banter amongst brothers. But it, I- I've always found you guys to be incredibly down the middle. Uh, well, we have fun on Twitter. We make fun of them. I mean, those guys call me an aging boomer every time <laughs> I can get their hands on that. And then, uh, but when we write the thing, we try to make it as something like we like to read. And I think, like I said earlier, you know, the, the way we do the daily is so you can just read it real quick. The Kevin Charity thing, two clicks, enough as average bathroom time, not to be too crude. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff is, you know, a lot of people, myself included, they just want information. They don't need to sit there and hear my opinion, what I think of this guy. You'd rather hear what the pitcher says, what he throws, what he's working on, what he's trying to do, or the hitter. And as long as you ask questions in a respectful manner, most of those guys are fine. They love telling you how they're going to improve about something they can't do. And, you know, most of us who are fans like to read it. You can find it on Twitter at Matt Fryers, plus follow John, plus uh, Kevin Charity, Mark Wilkins, David J. Ben Davey. Uh, ben Davey, my yeah. apologies. Yeah, uh, to Ben, but all you guys are doing a great job. John, great seeing you. You're welcome anytime you're in town. Thanks, man. Appreciate, Appreciate it. you, Thank brother. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, guys. Hey, Jeff, want to mention Alan Taylor. Again, when you look at Taylor May Pools, right now the weather is fantastic. Again, it's going to be hotter as we get closer to September. We talk about it all the time. But Taylor May Pools, ask about available financing. Your perfect pool is just around the corner. Alan Taylor's been doing it more than 20 years. Taylor May Pools can't get a better pool than you can from Alan Taylor. Uh, Dave, not kidding at all because right now the weather man it just feels hot feels sticky yeah and the best way to counteract that is by jumping in that tailor-made pool you can see on our website at daveandjeffshow.com go to that sponsor page take a look at what some of your friends and neighbors have been doing and then call alan at 619-449-4452 residential commercial customers san diego area for more than 20 years now uh, they could do a wonderful pool for you. You know who our celebrity pool is? Go ahead. Canadian superstar Trish Stratus. <laughs> I don't God. know who that is. How do you not know who Trish Stratus I, I, is? She's I, a WWE superstar, plus she's the host of Canada's Got Talent. <laughs> Dave, I swear to God. <laughs> she is the most insane. Listen, there's a lot of you out there that we've been lucky enough to meet. And, and I'm going to tell you, you're damn good. But this Trish Stratus, my God, she showed up today on my social media. Look at this. Look at this little alley cat, David. Oh, look at that. Does she dress like that on TV? Uh, she's gonna, that's what your pool's going to look like. Because <laughs> my friend, the late, great Casey Kasem, used to say, good, golly, Miss Molly. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, call and tell him you want the Trish Stratus pool. Man, you'll be the talk of the town. 619-449-4452. Kyle Fluger is back in town. If you need to reach Kyle, it's easy. 619-500-6621. Again, Kyle has his brand new company, Mithril Media. Again, it's his business. His website's mithrilmedia.io. Easy to get a hold of Kyle. Again, you can call him. Also, 10% discount for new Dave and Jeff customers. But again, he's done great websites for us, DaveAndJeffShow.com, jakesprojects.org. You name it, Kyle can get your business up and running the right way. Uh, 
website, as Dave just said, as I figure out where the hell I am, I'm so busy looking at Trish Stratus. Sorry, <laughs> Cal, you understand. Mithromedia.io. What could he possibly do for you? How about media and marketing? It's the one thing. Good buddy of ours reached out today. And uh, pretty exciting news for the show. Our, our buddy, uh, Tom Caitlin. Tom okay. Caitlin, that uh, longtime friend, used to work at uh, Channel 4 San Diego. He's the guy. Tom was the guy. And, and he and I were talking today. I used to love the sidebar shows that Cox Channel 4 would do, whether it was Jane Mitchell's one-on-one or The Look Back and different shows that Tom produced. Then at, at Fox Sports San Diego, Inside San Diego Sports, the show that Mike Pomeranz did or the Steve Fisher Report and the Chargers were here. And I'm hoping that wherever Padre games settle – that some of those little 20 minute half hour shows you don't do you get the Dodger channel I do you know what I'm saying yeah. all day long backstage Dodgers exactly. backstage Lakers all those kind of shows even in a bad year like this I think it would be kind of fun to watch uh, but Tom and I were talking and he said hey you know who comes to town all the time your buddies Charles and Larry and I said, let's get him in the garage. He goes, I'm going to make it happen. How great would it be to have two guys that were so instrumental in the early days of this show, uh, two guys that are really, really good friends and that, that yeah. mean a lot to us personally. And Tom's going to help put it together awesome. to have uh, Charles Steinberg and Larry Lucchino come see us. Dude, so that'd be amazing. My hope is that they're together. Yeah. But he said, uh, Charles absolutely is a slam dunk. Cool. Uh, who I can't wait because really when you think back to baseball night in San Diego, uh, Charles was the brain behind a lot of that. But Tom said, let let Charles and I put the put the work on Larry. And he said, I think we can make that That'd happen. That'd be amazing. Because be amazing. Uh, two guys that would be great. But, but Tom Caitlin and I were talking about media and marketing for website. Tom's got some exciting stuff coming up that we'll tell you about in the future. And uh, Kyle Fluger can help you do it. Again, that website, mithromedia.io. All right. I also want to mention Bright Bail Bonds. Look, if you make the wrong decision or you have a friend that made the wrong decision, make sure you call Fabian and Miguel. They've written more than 20,000 bonds. You know you're in good hands. Again, 24-7 service. Look, Bright Bail Bonds, you should have this number in your phone. Say it all the time. Not joking. 888-669-0295. 888-669-0295. Boy, Dave, I, it's just... You know, this weekend, I, I didn't even know if I wanted to come down here tonight. I have a buddy of mine, and uh, it was down in Florida, and been doing pretty well. Yeah. You know, everything was hanging out pretty well, and uh, I got a text from him today. Hey, man, what's Fabian's number? Don't even joke. What's Fabian's number? I said 888-669-0295. It's a great boom hung up. Uh, I was like, well, that's kind of weird. Uh, not not regarding my friend, just completely different, my friend in Florida. But if you find out that that girl you've been dating that is really cute and has and just childlike qualities, might be that she's a child. And that could put you in jail. So, fuck. If you're here in San Diego, you probably need to know. 888 888- Six six nine oh two nine five. Like if she's pulling her gum out, yeah. twirling it around her finger, uh, or if she says, or tells you she's nervous about the first day of high school coming up in a few yeah, weeks, she might be a kid. <laughs> that could be putting you in jail. Eight 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 
669-0295. Available 24-7, even on holidays or the first day of middle school. Uh, 888-669-0295. All right, real quick, we'll knock this out. How old are they and how much are they worth? It's August 14th. Wander's like, now you play this game. <laughs> now you play this Where game. Where were you a month ago, you assholes? August 14th is actually a big day for celebrities, all right? Okay. We're to start off with one of my favorites. I'm excited. Magic Johnson. Tragic. Have you watched, uh, I haven't watched. So, have I watched Winning Time? Yeah. Yeah, I'm loving how, it. How's season two? It's so fucking good. How many episodes in are they? This is the second one ran last night. Okay, just two. Okay. Uh, Magic. I watched Johnny Manziel. I'm watching Quarterback. I'm watching everything we yeah, talked about Yeah, the Florida one show. doesn't come out for another week. No, it week. doesn't. I missed that. I, I messed that one Did you watch De La Hoya? I haven't watched it. I've been so busy. I'm trying to catch up on the quarterback show. I'm like seven episodes behind. Dude, the De La Hoya is really good, man. When he talks about it, I'll just tell you one thing. His dad, Dave, right? Okay. Like, you think about this, how we are as dads. Uh, Oscar tells a lot of stories about his mom. Remember the gold medal for his mom? Dude, she was terrible to him. She was really terrible to him. And then his dad, he talks about that he took a lot of grief as a, a Latin fighter. The yeah. guy said he wasn't tough enough. They made fun of his voice. Dude, we know a bunch of people that give him a hard time just in this right. community. Right. Made fun of everything. And he talked about that's why he needed to fight Julio Cesar Chavez. And yeah. I was at that fight that night. And he dominated Chavez. And Dave, they cut to a clip of his father from this documentary. And his dad said, you know, they fight 10 years earlier. Tough fight. Chavez wins. Really? Just fuck, man. He's very candid wow. about everything he went through in his How life. How long does it last? It, the first part was okay. Part two is really I mean, how good. Long, how long? Time hour and was. a half each. Okay. Yeah, the Manziel thing's an hour ten. And dude, I fucking hated Manziel before and afterwards. There was nothing about him that I was happy about. I didn't it see bothered, that to it me. Bothered me. Yeah, he doesn't interest me enough to watch that. Yeah. He's but, a, he's a, and I know people who watch it and go, man, I have a different appreciation. Not at all for me. Yeah, there are I, so many people that got fired because of his laziness and bad decisions. Uh, and I got insight into Hard Knocks because yeah. I thought the first episode of Hard Knocks was shit. Maybe one of the worst ever. And the story that came out is that the Jets are giving the Heisman to NFL films. And they're not allowing any kind of access and doing any kind of things. And that NFL films is trying to scramble because where well, the Lions last year were very open and other teams you can think of, um, the Jets are not. Rodgers, punk, he's always been a punk. He's just a fucking douche, that guy. And uh, and the rest of the team. And so NFL, like, it's great for the league. It's great for the fans. Yeah. And so we'll see if tomorrow's any better. And I'm not saying it's Aaron Rodgers behind it, but come on, give me a fucking break. And so that was part of the issue is that NFL films is not getting the access that they've had. And so that they're having to look for different ways. And so flying in live Schreiber is probably part of it. There you go. All right. Magic Johnson. How old? Oh, how shit. much is it worth? My apologies. Uh, I'm going to say magic. Tragic is 66. 64. Okay. Uh, 600 million. $1 billion. Fuck. $1 billion. Good for him. Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis. 44? 40. Uh, Seems like she's been around forever. Yeah. I'll say uh, 30 million. 75 million dollars. Wow. Good. She's been doing the voice of Meg on Family Guy forever. Uh, I didn't know that. Okay. Steve Martin. Steve Martin. 74. 78. 78. 
He's looked 78 for a long time. He sure has. <laughs> um, 50 million. 140 million. Dude. Yeah. I'm way low on these guys today. One thing about Steve Martin, he, it's amazing how many people say he's their favorite. Like oh, you know, yeah. Howard Stern will say it. Judd Apatow. The Judd yeah. Apatow, Steve Martin story is hilarious about him being a kid. No. And a Steve Martin blew him off. And so he wrote this like horrible letter to Steve Martin and went and delivered it directly to his house. Wow. And Steve Martin uh, called him back, basically. Oh, I didn't realize this was the Judd Apatow. <laughs> and then they've become great friends since. But Dude. when he was like 12, he fucking told him off because Steve Martin didn't give him the time of day. Dude, on Stern, the interview with him and Martin Short. Yeah. So fucking funny, those two guys. God. When does he come back? When does Stern come back? Like he's been doing. Oh, he's gone all summer. Yeah, the whole summer, huh? Yeah, I mean, it works out great for yeah. Kimmel with the writer's strike. Oh my gosh, but usually you're those. Kidding. But yeah, usually those guys are gone for the whole summer. So yeah, probably not till after Labor Day. All right. Although he keeps doing drop in shows, which is weird. Oh, I didn't even notice. And yeah. I know, uh, well, Kimmel's not coming back to the writer's strike's no, over. No, so you no. might not see Kimmel till whatever, December. Who knows? Dude, I'll tell you what, you and I are both members of AFTRA. We got in, what got us fired is that uh, we are part of it. I just, the the thing is, why that writer's strike really bugs me is anytime you're in charge of creating content, you have such a small window yep. of opportunity and you deserve to get paid for it. And I don't know the ins and outs, but I'm a union guy. I, I, we're not active in SAG, but I, after a... For the most part, I mean, we're still active and yep. we still have a pension that we could probably claim would probably pay us $11, but so what? <laughs> and they tried. I mean, they were cool to us. But I mean, when you see guys from these studios that say, I can't wait till these fuckers start losing their homes. That's ridiculous. Awful. Man, just awful. So, yeah, I mean, between that and, and Maui, man, there's some weird shit going on. So just, that's uh, why we tell you, check in on a friend. It's a good time to do it. All right, last one. We're going to skip the random questions because the show kind of went kind of long with John. So uh, last one, Halle Berry. Oh, my God. Never gave her the celebrity pool. Dude, she will be uh, <laughs> right after Trish Stratus. Uh, I'm going to say 56. 57. Hey! 85 million. Close, 90 million. God, she's goddamn perfect. Pretty good. Goddamn perfect. She, All right. she falls in my category of bad in the sack, right? Ah, uh, dude, you, you, you are. Look how many. Fine, I might be, but I'm telling you, she, she is. She is. <laughs> David Justice, I saw him making out with a girl right after he married her at, at Jack Murphy Stadium. <laughs> and I'm like, just things aren't going good. She's been with like three guys. None of them as good as David Justice looks wise, and yet they all leave her. All I know is. Sack of soon, potatoes. As soon as this hits, <laughs> it's forever. Erica's going to text Laura. I knew it. What? I knew it? What? That Allie Perry's better than the sun? No, that you just admitted oh. you're awful. I, I don't know if I'm awful. I'm just uh. telling you. Probably. Probably. I think I'm lazy. I think the older I get, I'm just lazy. <laughs> All right. Well. I think 20 years ago, that might have bothered me. That fuck uh, it. I don't fuck give it. a shit. Yeah. The sun's coming up tomorrow. Uh, you got it. You're covered. All right. Well, that's kind of the dumbest thing ever. But uh, have a great night. Say a prayer for Dave that he'll be better tomorrow. And we'll see you Wednesday. See you.
Sneaky back screen door, I laugh so hard I 